thanks for listening to AWA. I'm Richard, and in today's episode, I'm with Shaz Rai, who's a doctor, and her full name is Supraba Rai. So hi, Shaz, and thanks for joining me today. Hello, Richard and AWA listeners. <laughs> nice to ha- nice to be here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, like, and- what what have you been up to recently? You know, apart from working, and um, which we'll get into soon. But like, okay, so it's COVID time, so can't really do much. Mm-hmm. But I go on, uh, go out on runs, or um, sometimes go out on hikes, just like nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, we have this quarantine group where we do sort of weekly ac- exercises and we have a um, book club as well. So just those really. Yeah. You've actually yeah. been working out quite a bit because I see your stories and you're always like running or working out. So that's good. Keeping healthy and fit. Yeah. I mean, you can only be like indoors for so long, and you know, until you get really kind of zoned out and you just want to go out. So mm. Those are the times where I have to go on like runs or something. No, definitely. I love a good run as well. So let's get into it. I mean, obviously, you know, um, could you talk us through your current role? Like, what do you do as a doctor? Um, I know, obviously, when we say doctor, like, oh, you're saving lives, which you are. But like, I'm sure there's more to it, like the different rotations you have um, and just generally what you what you're doing at the moment and maybe kind of like talk about what you've done to date as well. Um, so, um, my daily life as a doctor, we sort of start off in the morning with um, ward rounds. So before the consultant comes in, I have to sort of look at the patients and um, see how they're progressing and any changes that need to be made. So I assess them sort of A to I thoroughly. And then according to that, I present the patient to the consultant. And then the consultant um, sort of uh, assesses the patient themselves and forms a plan. This is essentially how it works in ITU is very consultant led. So we just sort of um, go according to their plans. Um, And then, you know, throughout the day, we just sort of um, do all the jobs that that need to be done, such as booking investigations and any um, um, changes to medications, talking to different specialties. So, you know, like one patient, there might be several things wrong with them Mm -hmm. um, from cardiology point of view to renal to you know, muscular or anything like skin viability. So we can um, talk to different teams to uh, bring them all together to look after our patient. That's really our main jobs, really. Um, whereas, um, so other rotations I've done have been surgery, A&E, um, and orthogeriatrics. Um, so the surgery and orthogeriatrics were sort of ward-based, um, quite similar to ITU, whereas A&E was quite different in a sense that it allowed me to see my, you know, see the patients firsthand and mm. form a plan myself, although I had to review it with a consultant. So, um, you know, it made me sort of think about um, the management plan myself. And I think it was more, it gave me more independence in uh, managing the patient, which was very interesting. Mm, wow. So you've got a few experiences in different departments then? Yes, yes. Um, quite a few so far so <laughs> so um surgery orthobariatrics um a&e itu and i'll go to acute medicine next oh nice so what does acute medicine hold for you like what sort of stuff do you think you'll have to be doing um i so acute medicine i know that i'm um sort of divided into two blocks one would be acute medicine the next one would be 
um, MTC, like take. So I think um, I'll be dealing with sort of, you know, derangements in electrolytes, if that makes any sense. So um, something that's made them very quickly unwell right. and they've come into hospital and I'm um, sort of treating or trying to reverse whatever the pathology is. Mm. Because I feel like um, with people generally, um, too much of something or too less of something is not good for them. Mm -hmm. So whatever um, pathology they have, we have to try to reverse that and bring it back to normal, the equilibrium. That's essentially it, really. And the take block is literally... um, the patients in A&E who the A&E doctors deal with and if they feel that they're more medical than surgical patient then they'll call me and then I have to clerk them you know like take the history and see if a medical ward is suitable for them I think that's essentially what I'm doing for that. Nice um so from what you've done so far obviously you can't tell about acute medicine yet but what have you enjoyed the most? Oh, I would have to say A&E, definitely. I don't know whether it's because it was well supported by the senior team or because the team in general, including, you know, the nurses, HCAs, everyone, they were just super friendly mm-hmm. and we just got on so well. Um, and it was prior to the second wave of COVID where right. things were kind of normalising. <laughs> mm. So it was like a friendly, light vibe and everything was quite well. It is funny you say that because... A&E, I imagine it to be like hectic, rushing, no time to think, but you make it sound like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I think A&E, in, especially in Northwood Park, is really nice because that's the new uh, building as well, and new buildings really help as well. It just mm. looks very aesthetically pleasing. You want to work there, mm. and on top of that, it's very well supported. Like, they have, you know, I think they've become used to like less doctors so they've recruited more so it's just really well supported now so it goes pretty well yeah that's good so obviously you mentioned that you know it was when you were there it was right before um the second wave so obviously you know we've had the second wave so what were the challenges like you've experienced working as a doctor and you know how has it been for you during this like stressful times um, yes, so um, ITU, funnily enough, was meant to be my like chilled block where I was meant to have quite a chillaxed rotor, but unfortunately, um, the second wave happened and, uh, you know, everything went to shits and I had to, we had to start this ICU surge rotor, which meant literally working 13 hours um, sort of for three days consecutively, then you have two days off then three days again so it just felt like it was just going on forever mm. um 13 hour shift you only managed to get sort of one break because wow. the uh, number of patients literally tripled in numbers mm-hmm. so um we just didn't have enough doctors looking after the number of patients that there were so it just felt like you know it was never ending and um you just didn't get any breaks so I think it just tired us out without without us thinking about it yeah I mean yeah. You, you hear about like also the people who did not believe in COVID and you know how they were protesting outside hospitals and you just think what stupid idiots like honestly yes that was very um heartbreaking to hear all of that to be honest because you know there's like nurses, even doctors, even consultants that are breaking down and crying because, you know, 
you're giving your service, you're trying to do your best for your patients and you're working, you know, so long hours to get them better and, you know, just not to be appreciated. It just feels really just heartbreaking. Mm. But just to let you know, you know, majority of us are there like supporting you and really appreciative of what you guys do and, you know, the whole NHS team. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you guys have been so amazing, honestly. Um, Thank you, guys. So... Obviously, um, you chose to study medicine and, you know, knowing you, you've always kind of wanted to be a doctor from what I remember. Um, so why did you choose to study medicine and what kind of sparked your interest to choose this field? Mm, so I've always um, found interest in sciences, I suppose. Um, and learning about the human body is just interesting in so many ways because you're essentially learning about yourself as well Mm. um and on top of that I think medicine it just um gives you that job security as well as um you know financial security and you're sort of able to help people um Mm -hmm. in their most needs um so I think all of that put together I think medicine was sort of the route for me really yeah I mean did you have any like family influence at all um you know for why you chose medicine yes I mean being Asians obviously you know parents do um think medicine or you know lawyer or engineering Mm -hmm. along those routes and also when I was doing my GCSEs I think we had a couple of DDs um older sisters who yeah. were doing medicine as well so my mom was like you know suggesting you know medicine looks quite good you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah and she she's very superstitious and she's like oh if you do service with the community you'll get good karma oh so, yeah I was like okay yeah, yeah. no but um I do remember like you always loving science anyway so yeah I feel like it was for you a combination of everything for why you kind of decided to do medicine so yeah but I mean it's amazing because um I think it's great to kind of have someone who wants to do it um rather than just for the sake of doing it and you know I think you generally always genuinely always wanted to do it um so like how you know was your university experience then um because I know you went to study in Bulgaria and I just want to know like all about it like your course the culture um you know the society there how everything was and um perhaps for anyone listening who might be thinking of you know following a similar path what would be helpful for them to know as well yeah, um, so initially, obviously, it was quite scary going abroad um, to this new place for six years where you don't know anyone or even the language. But um, I was lucky in a sense that I had, you know, two friends who um, went with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I had that kind of um, security there. Um, so it it's actually very nice in a sense that um, the English batch um there's a lot of um, international students who come from the UK. So um, you're already like as a team and you're looking out for each other because you all know that you're new to this country and you have no one, you know, no immediate family. So you have to look out for each other. So um, there's a sense of community already there. Um, Bulgarian culture, it's it's quite um, colourful, actually. They do like these Balkan dances. Their food is a bit bland. It's just like, cheese and a bit salty yeah (laughs) people love cheese though (laughs) uh yeah not for me okay personal preference Um, 
Um, and yeah, um, people were, uh, um, truthfully speaking, they were not so friendly. I think it's just the culture. Like if you smile at them, they don't really smile back at you. But I think that's just how it is. <laughs> right. so this, you know how English people are very polite and they're all, if you smile at them, there's no way they're not going to smile back, right? Mm-hmm. So in Bulgaria, when they didn't smile back initially, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is happening? Have I done something wrong? But it's just, um, I grew on to know that that's just how it is. Right. Just a little bit less friendly, but... um. I suppose Other that's, like, that. normal for them, though, right? It's not about, like... I mean, I don't want to, you know, make it sound weird, but, like, I suppose that's, like, their normal, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, the other side, they they were probably like, why is this girl smiling? At yeah. Like, They're like, why <laughs> is she being so creepy? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Interesting. But, yeah, other than that, I really enjoyed the weather there. Mm-hmm. Um, It's, like, in the summer, it's super sunny, and there's, like... Varna and um, Sunny Beach just nearby, like two hours um, train journey. And the beaches there are amazing. Um, and the prices are half price as well. So you can just, you know, ham out on drinks and stuff. So oh, wow. Life was pretty good there, I'd say. Nice. Yeah. And as for university, um, so I think it was quite similar to how you would have been taught in England as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first year um, was sort of fundamental. So you study the sciences again, like chemistry, biology, physics. Then second year, the real medicine started. So anatomy, physiology, um, etc. And then third year is your where your clinical years begin. Mm-hmm. So you start going to hospitals and there's um, things like internal medicine, you know, like different aspects like cardiology, nephrology, um anything else mm-hmm. um and surgery as well all of that so i think all the topics um that are included in the uk curriculum will be covered obviously it has to be um, mm-hmm. in, sort of um, standardized so they're all taught um the good thing is obviously um once you've graduated you attain the same gmc recognized degree here right so um it's all you know, credible, which mm-hmm. is good news. Um, yeah, the only um, real barrier is the language. They really do want you to learn the language. Um, and so it's integrated in the course. You learn it for the first three years and you get assessed in it as well. Right. But yeah, but the good thing is um, the whole course is taught in English. Um, the professors have been teaching for the last 30, 40 years. So the English is pretty good. They may, may have an accent, but, you know, you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and patients as well. S- general public do know a bit of English, but sometimes they may um, prefer Bulgarian where you can always use the Google Translator. No worry, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's fair point. Like, obviously, it's a country and I think you should, you know, embrace their culture and their language as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what has like the process been for you in terms of applying to study in Bulgaria and is that different to how you would normally um, you know do your UCAS application or is it within the UCAS application that you had to apply or is it a separate process? Oh so um, luckily enough if you are studying if you are applying abroad you don't have to do um, UK care or BMAT or apply through UCAS at all um you just apply to it separately 
Um, so you can either apply directly to the university, which will charge you less, mm-hmm. or you can go through agents who can sort of get you into the uni. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, after the application, they will say that there will be an entrance exam. Um, and the entrance exam is mostly based on biology and chemistry. And if you pass that, you're essentially in. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some requirements with grades. Um, I believe it's sort of B's and C's at least in um, three sciences, they say. Mm-hmm. But I think they do make some exceptions, maybe two sciences. Uh, depends, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that's it. No additional test, just their entrance exam is needed. Mm, great and also like if I am to ask you a very like a blunt question like just studying a degree in general in the UK and especially when you have courses five years to study medicine it's quite extortionally expensive right like as a student and obviously studying in Bulgaria is that the same case or is it cheap and also you know is that a pause like is that a pro when you're like deciding where to study considering the certificate is you know just as um applicable to you know applying when you want to be a doctor in the uk um can you shed some light on that yep sure um yes so it was a lot cheaper for me um sort of to say i think i paid um half of what it is in uk um but um we don't get student finance as we would in england so we have to finance everything else ourselves um that's the main drawback Mm. um mm, so yeah that's it really yeah that's interesting because no i just wanted to like just make sure like obviously people who are thinking about it you know for because i just feel like sometimes i don't like you know when finances hold people back from studying like or wanting to study things and it's just kind of giving them that option of like you know kind of deciding what they want to do and where they want to study yeah for me luckily um it was quite a few years back so it was um substantially cheaper mm-hmm. but i think it has risen um recently eh? right. but i think it's still a bit cheaper but not like so much i think mm. that's nowadays. interesting to know yeah. yeah um so how was it like for you like you know after you've graduated and then transitioning to working in the uk like how did you first even start off like do you have to apply or what's the process like yeah so um once you've graduated um you get all your paperwork so um your paperwork you have to translate it and send it off to the gmc board here and then you just sort of apply for registration um before all of that, you do need to do one test before you um, come to UK, which is an English test, because um, your course is, they say it has to be above 75% um, for you not to do the English course. And somehow, uh, because of the clinical um, clinicals where, it, you know, Bulgarian is kind of required, they um, deem. Mm-hmm. So um, they say that you have to do this English test. Right. So IELTS is the test that you have to do and you get you have to get certain points. Um, so everything above um, 7.5 um, average in uh, on average mm-hmm. uh, to be able to pass it. And then um, so with along with the along with the uh, passing of the English test mm-hmm. and um, 
all your certificates. Once the GMC has got that, then they'll approve it and then you'll be registered as a doctor in the UK and then you can apply to jobs. Oh, nice. So, um, you know, when is the moment that you, you know, get to say doctor like Shaz, right? Like, is it straight after you graduate? Like, how was that moment for you, you know, knowing that you have that title now after all those years of hard work? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so um, it was amazing, by the way. <laughs> But um, I guess you can call yourself a doctor after you've got the certificate on graduation day. Mm-hmm. But like me, even in my first, especially in my first year of uh, being a doctor, when the nurses called me a doctor, I used to be like, who, what, me? <laughs> it was so scary, yeah. I mean, you, you have to, you know, take the responsibility as a doctor as well, which was very scary. Um, it was yeah it was a proud moment and a scary moment um yeah I can understand (laughs) yeah because it's even funny for me because obviously especially when you're friends and you're like what Shaz I mean doctor now wow like you know it doesn't really like sink in until yeah you're doing the job and like we see you working as a doctor so yeah I mean uh, like you know it's amazing though um so obviously you've had like a fair share of experience doing you know different departments and whatnot um what has been like the biggest challenge for you and also I mean let's start off with what's the best thing about being a doctor first and then I suppose what's the biggest challenge of being a doctor um so best thing about being a doctor would definitely be you know being able to help people and their families or um when you sort of see the work you've done has actually, you know, helped them and you've seen them actually got better, like physically, it's a great sign. It's really, um, really rewarding, I'd say. And um, yes, I think, yeah, that is the best part, really, just caring for them mm. and seeing them get better. And the challenges? <laughs> and the challenges, oh gosh. Um I would have to bring back the COVID situation. <laughs> um, I didn't realize, but because we used to work sort of 13 hours every day and, um, you know, there was patients dying all the time as well. And I had mm. to call the family up and right. explain to them how, you know, why has happened and why. And they'd be, um, you know, families breaking down on the phone and you're just trying to keep your composure and you know, sort of guide them in a good way, all of that really takes a toll on you. Mm -hmm. And um, without knowing, one day I was on the phone to my sister and um, we were just talking um, generally and then she just asked me, how's work? And then without knowing, I just started crying. I know. And then she was like, what? And then I was like, the team is really nice. Everyone's really nice. I'm so glad I'm helping people, but I think I'm just really tired, I said to Mm her. And when I felt like oh you know what I think I'm burning out without Mm, knowing mm. yeah so I think that was one of the challenges like it's just quite tiring yeah yeah I suppose it's mentally and physically draining right um Mm. so I mean how do you sort of like cope or you know what do you do to kind of get you through those phases yeah I think um talking to friends and families um on the phone um, does help because you know problems shared is problems halved kind of thing mm-hmm. and I do do long baths and I do workouts yeah. to sort of take my mind off stuff um, yeah I suppose that's it really just doing something else to keep your mind 
off of work. Mm-hmm. So then, obviously, you know, obviously being a doctor ha- is such a rewarding job, but at the same time, it comes with its own set of challenges, for sure. And what motivates you, like, um, to keep on going? And also, generally in life, like, what drives you to kind of keep pushing? Um. So I suppose the, you know, immediate motivation would be, you know, it's, you're a doctor, your job is to help people, um, so, you know, if I see patients that are unwell, I'm inclined to sort of help them out. So, you know, even if I'm feeling quite like lazy at home and I don't want to go to work, I'm like, no, you have to go help people out. Yeah. Because <laughs> so that's one of my motivations. Um, but otherwise, motivation in life, I suppose, you know, um, as I've become older, I've realized um, um, the rewards that you get in life are through, you know, helping people and seeing them smile or, you know, something um, more tangible like that, Mm. intangible like that than something tangible, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, I suppose that's my motivation, really, just being able to help people and um, sort of getting them better. Yeah. And like, obviously, you know, when you're in a medical profession, professional development is quite critical and I think you have to keep learning as a doctor right so what sort of um examinations do you have to do do you have to sit them regularly and how does that work um so I'm on the training program right now and it has certain um criterias that you have to fulfill within a year um so there's like mini kexes and dops so mini kexes are like little bedside tests that the consultant has to assess you on so you have to examine the patient they sort of assess on if you've you know done all the steps right um and then they'll give you like a ticket Mm -hmm. um dops is sort of direct observational skills so you you know put cannulas you put art line or um you do um fascia iliaca block with a ultrasound whatever that <laughs> what means. was that word <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it's just um sort of making the uh, hip area numb before okay doing any operations but stuff like that you just um do procedures and the consultants have to tick you off right and you have um uh, like sort of five of the cbds five of this and that to do and you have to fill them out for the year mm-hmm. and on top of that for um foundation year one you had to do immediate life support course um to pass the module whereas uh when you're fy2 you have to do um advanced life support so there's like criteria of courses and skills and you have to have at least two meetings every month with your educational and clinical supervisor, all of this. You know, there's actually so many things that you have to do um, and throughout the year, as well as working, you know, so many hours. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> so I've realised, yeah, it does keep you quite busy. And there's, on top of that, teachings you have to attend as well. And right. there's like, you know, 30 hours of teaching you have to attend per year, stuff like that. So oh, it's wow. quite tasking. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, for sure. Yeah, but at least it um, ensures that you're learning all the time. Mm -hmm. You're learning on the job anyway, but um, all these other things make sure that you are on top of your um, knowledge and skills. Yeah, and I suppose you need a doctor to be able to make sure that they know, like, with the advancements of technology and, I don't know, just research and all that, that they know what they're doing and they have all the, you know, um, latest knowledge. 
for definitely. sure you have mm. people's lives in your hand um so yeah you have to be competent i guess yeah and um what do you think like you want to specialize in going you know forward in the future if you have thought about it oh gosh uh i think about it all the time it? <laughs> <laughs> so um obviously i had interest in surgery to begin with and um, that's why for foundation year one i targeted at doing um, surgery so i was in general surgery and orthogeriatrics which is sort of bone surgery of the old people right. um but i've realized i quickly went on to realize that standing on my feet all the time and you know um you have to go out of your hours to do surgeries to perfect your skills so you have to be very passionate about surgery if you really want to do it mm-hmm. um, having seen all of that i was like no i don't know if i want to do surgery anymore and after this second wave of covid which has left me burnt out <laughs> i feel like I just want a career which is which gives me a good work life balance. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of gearing towards GP at the moment. I'm really thinking about it. Um so I think that's where I'm headed really at the cool. moment. <laughs> yeah. Um and I suppose like, you know, there's so many options as a doctor like um depending on your interests and what sort of um in a way whatever like sparks your interest right like I suppose you kind of know what you like and don't like as you experience the different um departments yeah yeah Yeah. cool um Um, so is there like you know any advice you would give to people who want to study medicine or follow a similar path to you my advice would be um sort of looking at medicine as a whole and not just sort of academics based if that makes sense um medicine is based around people it's a people job Mm -hmm. you need to learn how to communicate with them you have to be people friendly you know I've seen some doctors who can't uh, I mean I don't mean to say it in a bad way um but they don't really seem to be able to take care of their patients that well they just see them as a subject rather than a patient right um so you have to sort of um really look at it from patient center point of view mm-hmm. and in the best care you can really because essentially we're pro- providing service mm-hmm. um so yes don't just um look at it academically um look at all the other things that medicine does involve um because you'll be working with multidisciplinary team as well um different specialties or all you need mm-hmm. to be able to communicate and refer patients um yes so think mm-hmm. about those as well I would say yeah that's some great advice and um I love how you said that you know you, like being a doctor is about the patient um and obviously being like a people-facing job um and I just find it like quite distressing when you have doctors or like anyone in the health service who it's quite robotic in a way I'm like you know it, you, you don't you can yeah. feel that as a patient right so mm. that's some good advice nice. and yeah. it's been so insightful to know about your journey your experience and I'm sure like lots of people who want to be a doctor has taken a lot from this episode hopefully um but yeah thank you so much Shaz for talking to me today and um of course thanks for having me with you no it's been a pleasure and i hope we'll catch up soon like in the future maybe when you're a gp god knows like about what you do and yeah where you're (laughs) heading towards so thank you again shaz 100 no worries thanks for having me bye bye with you